Thank you, ladies. Good morning. Thank you, guys. This is what happens when you, when you tell somebody you're going to pay them to cheer for you when, you when you get up on the stage. So, Hey, we are in the middle of this series on the prophets. And as we dive into that this morning, I need to share this story with you guys. Um, my wife, Kara, and I, we've got two daughters. We've got a four-year-old named Lainey, and we've got a one-year-old named True. And True, about a week and a half ago, it seemed like she was starting to come down with a cold. And I think the best way I can describe True right now is one of those little pug dogs. And so this is no offense to anybody who has a pug dog, but every time I see one of those, I'm like, how is that thing getting any oxygen? Because when you look at them, it feels like they're just going. (laughs) And so when I look at True right now, she's going. (laughs) And so it reminded me this week of the last time True was sick, which was last fall. And about a month before she got sick, my wife, Kara, came to me. And she said, Nathan, honey, sweetie pie, love of my life. And this is Kara's approach when she's going to ask for something. And so I was just waiting for it. And she said, I'm thinking about, I'd really like to go see this good friend of mine in California. And so I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. When are we leaving? And she said, no. Like I was thinking you would stay here. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that makes sense. I can get over that. But how are you going to do with our two daughters out in California? <laughs> and uh, the wheels started turning a little bit. And she's like, no, they would, they would stay here. They would stay here. And I was like, but I'm staying here. <laughs> so I'm starting to panic and my heart's starting to beat a little faster. And I thought, okay, well, let's get some more details. When would you, when would you leave? And she was saying, well, Thursday night, whatever that date was, Thursday night. And I thought, well, that's great, because you'll be back Friday morning, you know. (laughs) No, Monday morning. Oh, Monday morning. Okay, I'm a numbers guy, and so I'm doing the math here. And from Thursday morning, or Thursday night to Monday morning, I added up 84 hours of work, (laughs) of blood, sweat, and tears. But... It's two kids, so you need to multiply by two. So we're talking 168 hours, but they're both under five years old. And so you've got to multiply by at least five. And so I got done with all the math and between Thursday night and Monday morning, it was about 4.3 million hours of man work. In other words, Kara was asking me to take on mommy levels of babysitting. There's daddy levels and there's mommy levels. And this was definitely mommy levels of babysitting. And so... What do you think my first thought was? I can't do that. I will not do that. Can't do it. So we get to that Thursday, and we take care of the airport, said our goodbyes, and on the way home, something happened that started to change my mind a little bit. Because on the way home, it got quiet in the back seat. And I realized our little girls fell asleep. And I got them home. And I got them into bed, and they didn't even wake up. And I went to bed Thursday night thinking, I've got this. I am going to dominate the next few days. That was Thursday night when I went to bed. And then I woke up on Friday morning. Did you know that kids have to eat? Yeah, you have to feed them. And so I woke up, and Lainey's waking me up. And she's like, Dad, I need you to make me breakfast. And I just had this short circuit in the brain. I was like breakfast. 
I can't do that. You know, this is bizarre. So anyhow, made her breakfast, and then I hear True crying. She's starting to wake up, and so I run up to her room, turn on the light, and there it was. Mucus, just all over her face. Day one of Kara's trip to California, True comes down with a cold. And the thing is, it wasn't just wipe it off or wash it. It was dried onto her face. Sometime during the night, I don't know if she sneezed or what, but she rolled in it and it just <laughs> dried to her face. And so I'm already thinking, there's no way I can do this. I cannot make this happen. So that afternoon, we're running some errands and we leave to come home from one of those places and I get Lainey into her car seat, putting True in her car seat and you know they have that harness and I'm buckling the chest buckle and I didn't see her little finger and I buckled and pinched her finger. And it was one of those cries where you see it long before you ever hear it because they're just inhaling and inhaling and it's like, and everybody's waiting for it and you know it's gonna be bad. So she starts screaming and if you know Lainey, you know she can give you a look. And so she just looks across the seat and she's like, bad daddy. <laughs> so I'm like, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. Went to bed Friday night and I thought, okay, get through Saturday and you're halfway there and you're on the home stretch. So Saturday, we went to the park Saturday morning and then we decided to go to Red Robin for lunch. So show up at Red Robin, yep, Chris H., and show up at Red Robin, and Lainey loves Red Robin. So I got her her favorite meal. The person in the Red Robin costume comes over, is high-fiving her. She's laughing. True's starting to fall asleep. Um, I got Lainey some ice cream. She's playing. I got, she got to play a video game. So I'm thinking, this is great. We walked out with balloons. We're in the car on the way home. And Lainey says, Dad, I'm bored. When is Mommy going to be home? I was like child, you just got the best shot I have this weekend. I mean, short of taking you to Disneyland, this is, this is the pinnacle, okay? And so we get home. Lainey gets out of the car. I'm getting True out of the car, and somehow True latched on to the balloons that Lainey got at Red Robin. And we get out of the car, and True lets go of them. And they're floating into the sky, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, maybe Lainey won't see. Come around the other side of the car, and Lainey's like, my balloons! And True has this loyalty to her big sister that if big sister's crying, True needs to just cry. And so True starts crying, and at that point, I felt like I needed to be doing the exact same thing. So for the rest of that weekend, it just kind of felt like it was going like that. And maybe it's worse in my mind, but it was terrifying. Because the rest of the weekend, I was thinking, this was a horrible idea, and I cannot do this. And it is funny to look back at now, and it's funny for you guys because it's my life, and you don't have to live through that right now. <laughs> but you know what? I have a feeling I'm not alone. When that terrified feeling comes along, and you see something in your life, and you think, I can't do that, I don't have the ability to do that, it's terrifying. And if you're, if you're my generation, maybe everybody says this, but I feel like my generation's got it bad because when we were young, we learned that story of the little engine that could, right? And what's your attitude supposed to be through everything? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Well, the truth is, as you grow up and as you get older, there are those situations that come along and they just overwhelm you. No matter how confident you are, 
you get overwhelmed. And it's in those overwhelming moments, you start saying something different. You start saying, I think I can't. I can't do it. It's too hard. I'm going to fail. We say that to ourselves. And sometimes it happens in those small moments of life sometimes that just are enough to make us uncomfortable. You know, maybe you've got that mom, dad, you come home and it's been a long day at work and you've had it up to here with the kids or kids. It's been a long day at school. Students, I'm sorry, long day at school. And you've had it up to here with mom and dad. Neither one of you has any energy. You say, I can't do this tonight. I cannot have this discussion. I can't have this argument. I can't do it. Or maybe it's that friendship that at one time you had with somebody and it was so incredible. And now you just wonder, where's their life at? What's going on with them? And you think about that friendship and all the work that it would take to build that back and you think, I can't do that. But you know when I think we say, I can't do it more than ever, are those unexpected moments of life. The ones you didn't plan for. And as those situations unfold, it just feels larger than life. And you feel like if I can't manage this situation, if I can't handle it, my world is going to crumble. It will just fall to pieces. And maybe even in those times, you feel like God has somehow left you or abandoned you. You know, junior hires, high schoolers, we talk a lot and laugh a lot about quotes from that movie Mean Girls because it's a funny movie. But you know what? The reality is mean girls, that's a very real thing, isn't it, at school? And guys, bullies, that's a real thing. And so what you end up doing is you reroute your entire path around the school during the day because you're saying to yourself, I cannot face those people. I can't walk down that hall. I can't sit at that table. I can't walk near them. Or parents, maybe you wake up one day and whether your child is four years old or 40 years old, You think, I don't have the connection with them that I had at one time. I can't connect with them. And you want to, but you feel like you just can't do it. Or maybe you wake up and your marriage has fallen on really hard times. And you think, I can't create the spark that we once had. I can't create the connection we had at one time. Maybe you want to be married and you're looking for somebody, but you you have those overwhelming moments and you say, I can't do it. I can't find the person that I would like to spend my life with. Or maybe it's a job thing. You know, the the expectations at work are just huge. And you think, I can't live up to that. Or it's a job change, and you look at the person who did your job before you, and you say to yourself, I can't possibly do it like they did. I cannot live up to the way they did it. Or maybe it's a job loss. And you're sitting here thinking, how am I going to provide? I can't think of a way to provide right now. Or maybe, maybe it's the loss of a loved one. And in that overwhelming moment, you're saying, I can't go on without that person. Or it's a loved one who is really sick. And you think, I can't focus. I can't focus on what I need to do because I'm worried about them. That one hit real close to home for us recently. Regardless, we all have situations where we say, I can't do it. And in the middle of it, sometimes it's tempting to think that God has somehow abandoned us and left us, left us hanging out to dry. And you know why this is so hard for us? 
Because we like to appear strong, don't we? We like to appear capable of handling anything that comes our way, anything that life throws. We like to appear capable. And then for, if you're a Christian, sometimes it's even harder because even though we know better, sometimes we get into this, this mindset of thinking where we say, well, yeah, of course, I should have all the answers. I should be able to handle everything. And deep down, I think we know that's not true, but we go there sometimes. So why bring this up in the middle of a series on the prophets? Because 2,600 years ago, there was a conversation that took place between God and this prophet. And this prophet, just like you and me, found himself thrust into this situation, this uncomfortable situation in life that felt larger than life to him. And he sat there and thought, I can't do this. But what God had to say to him in the middle of that conversation, I believe is just as relevant for you and me today as it was for that prophet 2,600 years ago. Now that prophet is Jeremiah. And last week, Todd started talking about Jeremiah. We're gonna continue talking about him today. But this conversation, when you look at the whole Bible, this is one of my favorite conversations because this conversation meets me where I'm at over and over and over again. And it's got my attention. And so here's what I'd like to do this morning. While we go through this conversation, can I have all of you stand? Because here's my hope. My hope is that this conversation, God will use it to get your attention the way I've seen him get my attention with it. And that he will use this conversation in your life the exact same way he's been using this conversation in my life. And so here we are, we're in, in Jeremiah chapter one. And God, it says, the word of the Lord has come to Jeremiah. And here's what he says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if the God of the universe who created everything were to come to me and say, you know what, Nathan, before you ever physically existed, I had you in mind. And the reason I had you in mind is because I know what I want your life to be. That would be so encouraging to me. But let's look at Jeremiah's response because I think his response is just like ours. Of course, God, of course I'll go. What, what have you been waiting for? No, that's not what he says. He says what you and I say, right? Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. There's that phrase. God, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to do it. Jeremiah is referred to as the reluctant prophet, and you see why right here. Because from the beginning, he has this reluctance to do what God puts before him. And I think the reason he has that reluctance is because he's looking at what God put in front of him with only his ability in mind and nothing else. In short, he's overwhelmed. Here's this larger than life situation and Jeremiah is totally overwhelmed. He sees only his ability and what's he do? Same thing you and I do. I can't do it. But listen to what God says to him. Verse seven, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. 
Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. In other words, God's saying, Jeremiah, what are you worried about? You know what? You don't even have to plan what to say. I will command you what to say. I will give you the words. But God doesn't stop there. Look what he does next. Verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. In other words, you know what the Lord is saying? He's saying, Jeremiah, who is this really about? Is this about you and your ability? No. This is about God and God's ability. But God doesn't stop there because if we jump down to verse 17, God, it's like God gives him a glimpse of what the future would be like when he does this. He says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Wow. So here God has told Jeremiah, I had you in mind before I made you. And then when Jeremiah made an excuse, God said, don't worry about it because I'm going to give you the words. And then he reaches out and touches Jeremiah's mouth and gives him his ability. And he even gives him a glimpse of what the future will look like when he does this. I would think for anyone in this room, that would be enough for you to go on your way, do what God asked you and never doubt or question it again. But in the middle of the book of Jeremiah, you know what we find out? We find Jeremiah in the same place that we get to when we get into the middle of something that God puts in front of us. This is in chapter 20. Jeremiah is once again overwhelmed. And listen to what he says. Oh Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Jeremiah is doing what you and I do when we're overwhelmed sometimes. We complain. We kick and scream and gripe and stomp and whine and cry and complain that we can't do it. And look where I'm at because of where you sent me, God. But Jeremiah has learned something since the last time he was overwhelmed. Listen to what he says next. Verse 9, But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am wary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You can grab a seat. Do you want to know what I think Jeremiah realized and what Jeremiah learned? And do you want to know what I think you and I need to realize and we need to learn? Is that God does not want to know if you're able. God wants to know if you are open. Not are you able, are you open? Not are you capable of doing what's in front of you, but are you open and willing to facing what is in front of you? Because let's be honest, every single one of us in here is reluctant 
to face something. You know, you're looking at a person or a place or a situation or some circumstance in life. And just like Jeremiah, you think it's up to your abilities to face that, that thing. And you're overwhelmed by it because it just feels so much larger than life or at the very least uncomfortable. And you're sitting here saying, I can't. And when we say I can't, you know what we do? We close down. And God is saying, look, don't worry about ability. I'll enable you. And that might be using some of your abilities and talents, or it might be using your weakness, like he did with Jeremiah. That one place that Jeremiah didn't think he knew how to do anything, look what God used. But regardless of ability, whether it's there or not, God is saying, are you open? Are you willing? And so if the issue is not ability, but it's being open, then the question for all of us this morning is what am I closed to? What person, what place, what situation, what circumstance in life right now, as you think about it, are you so reluctant to go into because you don't think you're able to handle it, that you don't think you're equipped and you've closed yourself off? I have to say, unfortunately, I experienced this just a few weeks ago. You know, as Ryan said, we took this trip to Pagosa Springs in Durango with the high school group this last week, and it was an incredible trip. And that's so easy to say right now. But you know what? Two or three weeks ago, you could not have told me that. Because if you guys know Colorado, that area of Colorado, when they get hit with snow, I mean, they get dumped on. And so the week before we leave, I'm seeing this report of like 18 to 20 inches of snow down near Wolf Creek Pass, which is the pass we need to go over to get to Pagosa Springs. And they're issuing avalanche warnings. And I was like, this is not going to work. We can't do this. And on top of it, I'm thinking about how they've done this trip before in past years. And this, the people who had done this trip before in past years did an amazing job at it. And so I was sitting here going, I can't live up to the way they did it. I can't do it. But are you able? Or is it, are you open? And so in the process of trying to be open, we go on this trip. And you know what? God showed up on this trip. And you can talk to any, there were 46 of us who went on this trip and you can go talk to any of them think we'd all agree that God showed up and God did something on this trip. And so for you, what is it? Junior hires, high schoolers, I had this, and those of you in college too, I had this thing that happened to me pretty much every year in school where you're on a campus. I went to Columbine and there were about, when I was going there, there were about 2,000 students on campus. And out of 2,000 students, it seemed like every semester there was one kid who was in like four of my classes. And I'm thinking, I'm so tired of seeing this kid, but he's in every single one of my classes. And at first I thought that was a coincidence. But you know what? After a while, I started thinking, maybe this isn't a coincidence. Maybe God wants me to talk to this person and reach out to them. But you know what I did? I said, you know what? They don't look like me. I couldn't relate to them. You know what? A lot of their friends are some of my enemies. I, I don't know if I can do it. Are you open to that? 
if you think real hard, is there somebody that God just seems to keep putting there and keep putting there and keep putting there? Because it's not a coincidence. And you may not feel like you can do it because you don't feel like you have the ability to connect with them. But it's not, are you able? It's, are you open? Are you open? Are you willing? Maybe you have a coworker at work and they're the one going through that larger than life situation. And for some reason, they have opened up to you about it. And you know deep down that you should talk to them. You should pray with them. You could pray for them, spend some time with them. But you don't know if you have the ability to do it. Or maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a place. Maybe this is your first time back in church in a long time. Or you've just recently come back to church. Because a long time ago, you got hurt at a church or whatever place it may be that you don't want to go back to. And you're thinking, I can't do it. I can't put myself in a position to get hurt again. Are you able or are you open? Are you open? Here's what I'd like to do and for all of us to think about this week. Can everybody just go like this? You're not going to hit anybody. Hopefully. All right. Have you noticed what we do when we close off to things, when we get frustrated and when we think we can't do it? Maybe you don't physically do this, but don't you feel like this inside? Just like, oh, I can't make it happen. Right? This week, when you get into that situation, when you recognize it, whether it's that person, that place, that situation, will you just do this? And yes, maybe people are going to laugh at you. I'm only asking you to lose friends for a week, okay? (laughs) But here's what I want you to do. Open. Just as a reminder, as a symbol of opening up to what God wants to do with that situation. And look, if you get to Friday and they're still laughing at you, look at this. Watch. Everybody go like this. Yeah, yeah. See? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Maybe do that. No, don't. (laughs) Listen, you have no idea, and I have no idea, and no one in here has any idea the potential of and the extent to which God wants to do something inside us and around us and with us. And you know what? I believe he's doing it all the time, but we don't see it because we're doing this. But what if you opened up? What if you could just open up? Because you know what? I believe that if you can open up, you will experience, I will experience, all of us will experience the exact same thing that Jeremiah did. That even when you're kicking and screaming and stomping and whining and complaining and crying about this situation, this person, or this place in front of you, you will experience an ability beyond your own. Because God, if, as long as you are open, God will enable you to face it. And it may not look like what you have in mind. He might enable you through a weakness, or maybe he'll enable you through your talents and your strengths. And the end outcome may not be what you're picturing, but you know what? You will experience an ability It is like a fire in your heart and in your bones, like Jeremiah described. 
And it is a fire that sometimes when it comes out, it's this big, exciting thing. And you have this change in perspective and a whole new worldview. But you know how I think it comes out more often? Is in the form of being able to get out of bed in the morning and face that person, that place, that situation with the confidence and the knowledge that God is with you and that he has enabled you and that he is walking right there with you. Do you want to know what happens when you open up? It was about two weeks ago. I had picked up Lainey from preschool and we're driving home and we're almost in the driveway. And Lainey said, Dad, remember? Because that's how little kids talk. Remember that time we went to Red Robin? Yeah. Um, could we go back there? Just you and me? Dad? Dad? If you know Lainey, she's relentless. <laughs> she goes till she gets an answer. A lot of little kids do. And I couldn't answer her because I was crying like a baby in the front seat. Because all I could think was I was so reluctant to have this weekend last fall with my little girls because I didn't think I could do it. I thought it was beyond me and it felt larger than life and it is larger than life. But all the while, even though I kicked and screamed and whined and complained that entire weekend and I called Kara to get a flight home immediately, <laughs> what choice do I have but be open, be open. And look at this, five or six months later, I find out what God was really doing. That he was doing something in that little four-year-old heart of hers. And with this relationship with my daughter. So that's the question this week. What are you closed off to? What are you so reluctant to do because you think it's beyond your ability to do it? And then the next question is, can you open up? As we pray this morning, will you just do this as a reminder of being open? Can everybody put your hands like this? Thank you. Father, thank you so much that you are so patient with us, even when we're reluctant, that when we don't see a way, when we don't see that we're able, you are right there reminding us that you don't want to know if we're able, you want to know if we're open. And so show us, Father, search our hearts and show us where we're closed because we need help seeing that. Show us this week and keep that on our hearts each and every single day this week. And I pray all this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.